And it says this, then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with ratchet, prodigal, reckless, sinful living. But when he had spent all, somebody say all. When he spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land that he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to him, somebody said came to himself. This, this, is the, this has nothing to do with the message, but let me just pause. This, this is the goal of Sunday. That it would bring us to the end of ourselves. That we would catch a revelation that there's something that I'm living in right now that is beneath what my father has for me. And I need to step into what my father has for me and not accept what life has handed me. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that you, God, are high and lifted up. God, there is none like you in all the earth, but yet we have the privilege of calling you our father, our friend, Emmanuel, the one that is with us. God, I pray that you'd speak to us in this moment. God, that you would take us one step closer to all that you have for us. And God, we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, come on, Columbia. Somebody shout amen and amen and amen. I want to preach a message to you today called, It Won't Love You Back. It Won't Love You Back. Any, any Monopoly players? Any Monopoly players? Anybody? There's something about the holiday season that kind of just takes you back to those old things that you used to do. And we grab the Monopoly game, and I'm trying to teach Zoe and Roman how to play. By the way, if you want God to increase your patience, or if you want to lose your mind, try playing Monopoly with a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And you will say, I don't think it's worth it anymore. We were playing Monopoly. And, and, and what they, it, it starts off so well. Within like the first hour of the game, everybody got money. Everybody got options. All the properties are wide open. You can go wherever you want. You can purchase whatever you want. It's all, it's all fun and games, literally. But about an hour in, you're like, wait, are they cheating? You, you know, people start changing the rules. And like, no, you don't got to roll a double six to get out of jail. You just got to pay a certain amount of money to the bank. And you just leave it whenever you want. I'm like, I don't see that in the rule book. And you're, you're tiptoeing through Park Place like a, a turtle on a minefield, just like, my God, please don't let me land here. I'm down to my last. By the way, I have never actually finished a game of Monopoly. I don't even know how it ends. 
because in my family, it ends with somebody quitting. That's pretty much how the game always ends. It's like, I'm done. I don't care anymore. Who has the most money? You win. And if that's the rules of how you win the game, that... It's kind of like you play until you're over it, and then you just quit. Wouldn't it be fun if we could do real money like that? Play until you're over it, and then just, I don't want to do this anymore. This, this, you, ever, you, ever, you ever looked at your finances and said, this isn't fun? <laughs> I really wish I, I could just not do this anymore. More, but the reality is managing our finances is not a game. And it's not something that you could just wake up one day and say, you know what, I, I quit. I, I want nothing more to do with this. When, when you have more month than you have money, there's no out of saying, hey, I, I want no part of this. I'm, I'm out. When you're looking at the size of your student loan and you're saying, man, based on this, I don't know if I'll ever be able to own a home. I don't know what retirement is going to look like because I'm having to pay this down over the next four decades of my life. Or, or maybe you're in a situation where, where, where one spouse makes more money than the other spouse, or one spouse is a little bit controlling over the finances, or, or they use the phrase like this, well, I'm not really a numbers person. And as you look at it, finances are one of the greatest tensions in your home. Or maybe you're in a position where you're doing really well, and, and, and money is not a problem, but there's this guilt that you feel because there's family members that are not doing as well. And you feel like, man, should I help? Is, am I a good person if I help? Am I a bad person if I don't? How, how do I manage that? Or maybe I have more than enough, but yet I still don't have peace on the inside. Wherever you find yourself, the reality is that managing our finances is not a game. The wild thing is, and, and I, I, y'all, I prayed over this series, and I prepped over this series, and I'm, I'm going to smile the whole time, uh, because I know whenever you start talking about money, people start getting uncomfortable. People just like, I don't know, I don't know, and I just trying to, why, why do people think that, that money is so uncomfortable to discuss? One thing is, some people think it's not important at all. It's just, it's just some people are like, you shouldn't be preaching about this in church. People, people are going to hell, and you here talking about money. <laughs> that's what's wrong with the American church these days, all these money-grubbing preachers. That's what's wrong with this. Sometimes some people are uncomfortable talking about money because money equals shame for you. You're ashamed of the financial situation that you're in. Maybe you're ashamed of your lack of financial literacy and you don't feel comfortable and confident in the managing of your money. Some people don't like discussing money because they always think someone's trying to take advantage of them. Oh, I know you're about to take an offering. That's what's going to happen. We're going to have a financial series, and the offering's going to come. Offering was four weeks ago, so there's no offering coming at the end of this financial series, so don't worry about that at all. Some, some people are just like, I, I, I don't want to talk about it because it's brought so much pain into my life. But here, 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 let me give you some statistics. The statistics show that 65% of America says that finances are the number one stressor in their life. Let's have fun in church. Look down your row. Look to your left. Look to your right. 
count one, two, three, four, five, you, one, two, three, four, five, you. <laughs> it says 68% of the room you're sitting in is stressed out about money more than anything else in their lives. It goes on to say 68% of people do not feel confident about retirement, feel that they will not have enough to be able to stop working and enjoy life at some point of their life. Watch this. 41% of Gen X divorces and 29% of boomer divorces cited money fights and money problems as the number one cause for their divorce. Hear me. It's a big deal in everybody's life. And what we have to understand is whatever is a big deal for us is a big deal for God. And it's not just that it's a big deal for God. It's that he cares and he has peace and purpose and wisdom for this area of your life. Somebody say amen. Now, y'all ready for a little bit of Bible? There is nowhere in Scripture that you can find a place where Jesus or God gave out free money. There is not one miracle where Jesus handed somebody a bag of money and said, all your problems have been fixed. And I'm going to feel like, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, there was that one widow that, that, that went to the prophet and, and had the sons, and, and he said, go get some jars and pour the oil in the jars, and then sell. Okay, let's talk about that. Did he give her money? What did he give her? Faith steps. He said, go get some jars and pour the oil in the jars, and then sell the oil. He gave her a miraculous business, but he didn't give her free money. Well, what about when he told the disciples to go and get them? I don't know why I talk like that every time I'm making fun of people. I need to chill out this year. 2023 is the year I'm going to chill out. We all know that's not true. But anyway, what about when he told the disciples, go find a fish and in the fish's mouth is going to be the money to pay your taxes. Did he give them money? He said, go fish. Go do what you used to do before you met me. And there's going to be a miracle in your fishing that will provide for you. What, what, what about when he fed the 5,000? They did not have enough money to feed everybody. He could have just, poof, there's money. He didn't. He said, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish. Bring it. He blessed it. Let me mess with you. After he blessed the five loaves and the two fish, you know what happened? Nothing. It's not until they took it and broke it and had less than they started with and started handing it out that God multiplied it. Hear me. God cares about your finances. He cares about the financial stress that you are under. And I'm not saying that he's not going to do a miracle in your money. But I'm saying chances are the route he's going to go is not going to be a check in the mail. Brandon, here's why I get in trouble, because we, we go write on our prayer cards, uh, the miracles we're believing this year, 68% of them are going to say, miraculous debt cancellation. And I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to grab it on Monday morning, and I'm going <laughs> to... I'm not saying that God won't do a miracle like that. I'm not going to limit God. But here's what I'm saying. 
that God has wisdom in his word to build wealth, manage what you have unto him, and find peace in this area of your life. And here's what God knows. He knows that if I give you more money, but you don't have a biblical understanding of what money is for, and you don't have biblical wisdom of how to manage it, more money will not fix your problems. So the majority of people who win the lottery are bankrupt within five years. Because when you get something without the wisdom of how to steward it and manage it, you end up forfeiting it. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about God's word and finances. And let me help you out. We're not just going to talk about tithing. Because that's not all God's word says about money. It is one of the things it says about money. But God's word teaches us how to invest for the future. God's word, Next week, we're going to preach on how to make more money than you do right now. And God's, there's a Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, that God gives you the ability to produce wealth. We're going to talk about how to steward. We're going to talk about how to apply our faith to our finances. And here's what I'm promising you, that if you would apply the wisdom from God's word to your finances this year. Now, I'm not going to make you a promise that I can't keep. You ain't going to get out of your situation in three weeks. This ain't, a, hey, just do it. Next three weeks, you're going to be good. It may take us 18 months of focus. It may take us the next 36 months of applying wisdom to this area of our lives, but you will see the peace and the promises of God come to pass in this area of your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Y'all ready to rumble? So let, let, let's, let's start with this. What, what is wealth for? What, what, what is God's purpose for wealth in our lives? Well, here's what you got to understand. Wealth will tell you what it's for. But God will tell you what wealth is for. And you've got to determine who you are going to listen to. Wealth will tell you, oh, I'm a scoreboard. I let you know how successful in life you are. Wealth will tell you, I let you know how valuable you are to the world. I let you know how important you are. I'm the one that lets you know if you matter or not. So there's so many people that feel confident when they have and insecure when they don't. There's so many people that, that they would almost introduce themselves by their net worth because they feel like it is what defines them because the world has said that's what wealth is. Wealth, for some people, the world has told you that wealth is security. That, that if you have money, no one will ever be able to take advantage of you. you. You don't have to worry about anything. No, you won't have a problem that you can't get over. When, when you have, you're safe. And when you don't, you're not. For, for, for some people, the world says wealth, wealth, wealth is evil. Wealth, wealth destroys marriages. Wealth, wealth destroys relationships. Wealth destroys people's lives. Avoid it at all costs. Just have enough to eat, pay your bills, and keep the lights on. And other than that, too much will destroy your life. Some people believe that's what wealth is. Some people believe wealth is not for me. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, well, if God meant me to be rich, I'd be rich. But apparently that's not what he had for me. And you know, it is, it is what it is. I got to stop with these voices. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it's, some people believe that wealth is for the lucky. 
Wealth is for those who grew up where I didn't grow up. Those who had a silver spoon in their mouth or whatever it may. That's what the world will tell you wealth is. Write this down. Wealth is an amplifier. What is wealth? Wealth is an amplifier. Wealth is not evil. Wealth is not godly. Wealth is an, what's an amplifier? An amplifier, to amplify, this is the the Oxford Language Dictionary, it's to increase the volume of, to cause to become more marked or intense. Wealth is a loudspeaker. Wealth is something that was designed to increase, to amplify, to make more prominent Whatever, watch this, is plugged into it. This amp here right now has nothing plugged into it. And guess what it's doing? Nothing. It's not making a sound. It's not making a noise. It's not destroying anybody's life. It's not improving anybody's life. It's not protecting anybody. It's just, and that's what wealth is. It's nothing until you plug something into it. Now watch this. Here I've got a a guitar that I am. You you see, y'all didn't realize this Sunday you're going to see all the amazing skills your pastor (laughs) does not have because I am not a guitar player. But uh, I've got this guitar. I'm I'm playing it like a rock star. If y'all can hear me right now, I mean, this is, this you ain't never heard. Watch out, worship team. Y'all want no part of this. Watch this. That amplifier. Doesn't quite matter what I'm playing. You can't really hear it. I need something to amplify what I'm playing. So I got a little cord. I plug it into my amp. That was good, that was good, that was good, right? They even gave me a real pick. Let me. (laughs) Right? So wealth puts on display what's coming out of this. Try again with me. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not evil, it's not godly. It just puts on display what's coming out of this. In our passage in Luke chapter 15, let me get this thing off of me. We have this story that Jesus is telling a parable, and and some of you grew up hearing it as the prodigal son. Others call it the lost son. And you have this young man, the Bible doesn't tell us how old he is, but, 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 but he's not old enough to receive his inheritance yet because his dad is still alive. And he goes to his father and he says, I want right now what belongs to me. I want my inheritance. And his dad obliges, his dad splits his inheritance and gives him all that he belongs to him. And after he receives all that belongs to him, the Bible says a little bit later, he decides, I'm going to leave my father's house and I'm going to go and have a good time. He goes to Vegas. I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible says. He goes to wherever he went 
And, and the Bible says he blew everything he had on riotous or, 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 or ratchet living. Prodigal is what, it, what the King James, prodigal living. Question for you, did the money ruin him? Or did the money expose him? The, the money turned his heart away from his father? Or did the money just amplify what was in his heart the entire time? He just didn't necessarily have the means to live out what was actually in his heart. What's the point? Who you are matters a lot more than what you have. And when what you have increases... Who you are is going to become more evident to everybody that you see. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal. Somebody say loyal. Loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Let, let, let's talk about Bible translations just for a second. There, there's two types of Bible translations. There's word for word, and then there's thought for thought. Thought for thought, what they'll do is they'll take the, the idea of the verse, they'll add some words, they'll take out some words to make it easier for us to read and understand. But sometimes they will change some of the words for our understanding, and you lose a little bit of the meaning. So in some translations, it says you can't love both God and money. And the original translation doesn't say God and money. It says God and mammon. And mammon and money are two different things. And it's important to know the difference. Money is a currency in which you buy, sell, get paid, rewarded, all that other kind of stuff. Mammon is a worldview. Mammon is the world's view of a financial system. And what this verse is saying in Matthew is you will not be able to love God and love the world's outlook on money. Because, because here's the deal. Money promises to do what only God can do. Money says, I'm not an amplifier. I, I, I'm your identity. Money says, when you have me, you are somebody. And God says, no, 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 your identity is only found in me. Money says, when you have me, I'll keep you safe. You ever heard the verse? The Bible says, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I trust in the Lord God Almighty. Money will tell you, I, you, you got me. Nobody will be able to take it. You, you'll have no problems anywhere. But last I check, wealthy people have cancer and impoverished people have cancer. Wealthy people have heartbreak and impoverished people have heartbreak. M money promises things that it can't keep its promise. And the thing is, it's not bad. It's not evil. But if we don't understand what it is and we allow it the wrong position in our lives, it will actually steal our love for God. Money is something that will never love you back. So it makes no sense loving it in the first place. You, you, you ever heard people quote the verse, uh, money is the root of all evil? 
I, I was listening to a, a stand-up comedian. He said, them church folks are always talking about money. Money is the root of all evil. That's because they've never been broke. Being broke is pretty evil too. So I don't know what I'm talking The Bible never said that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. When I believe that money defines me, that it protects me, that it makes me valuable and worth knowing. Some people feel like you should know me because I have money. (laughs) When I have a biblical understanding of what it is and what it's not, it's a blessing to my life. But when I don't have a biblical understanding of it, it's a curse to my life. Can I, can I, can I mess with y'all? A lot of people, when you get into biblical words like sanctification and, and demonic and all, they're like, oh, that's, that's not me. So if I were to say that chances are the majority of us are under a spirit of mammon. We even know, no, 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 I love Jesus as long as I got King Jesus. I... <laughs> can, can, can I give you a quick litmus test to know if I'm under a spirit of mammon or not? If when faced with a decision, your first thought is, can I afford it? Huh? If when faced with a decision, your first thought is, how much is it going to cost? And your first thought is not, is this what God has for me? Or is this what God is doing? Am I? This can't make everybody feel better. So they say, hey, we, we want to launch a church in Charlotte. You know what I said? How much it going to cost? <laughs> so, so hear me. It's something that we wrestle with every single day of our lives. Who are we going to love and be subservient to? Are we going to be subservient to God Almighty? Or are we going to be subservient to a financial institution or or structure that wants to tell us how to live out the call of God on our lives? And it has the ability to amplify who we are, but it was not given the ability by God to tell us what we can or cannot do. And more importantly, who we can or cannot be. Second thought is this, write this down. Wealth is an amplifier, but wealth exposes who you are. You, um, you, you, you ever had a kid in your house learning a new instrument? It, it, not like a kid in your house learning how to play violin that just makes it a little bit more homicidal than you thought you were. You just never thought I'd take somebody's life, but if that kid don't put that saxophone down, I don't know. I mean, it's just, okay, so the the team, oh, there we go. The team, uh, when they found out my illustration, they said, Pastor, uh, can can you play the guitar? I said, nope. said, do do you want to play something? Let's let's plug in a piano. You know how to play a piano. I said, nope, I want to play guitar. Why? Because I can't. And what that means is that when I get up here and I plug it into wealth, it's going to be 
a horrible cacophony. They, they actually they taught me one chord. Let me see if I can remember it. I was like a rock. Here you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't think it works anywhere else, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So point number one is wealth is an amplifier. Tracking? But it will only amplify who you are. And if I don't know how to play, all it's going to amplify is foolishness. All it's going to amplify is insecurity. All it's going to amplify is, I, I don't quite know. Okay, let me stop this because this is horrible. I don't quite know what I'm doing in this area. So I have just a really simple question. What does your money say about you? Let me say something real ignorant. What does your credit score say about you? I remember I graduated college. I um, got a school, University of Maryland College Park, greatest school on planet Earth. Cost me $50,000 of student loans. I said, Jesus, help me. And I remember I graduated, I, I got a job, and I started my job probably about six weeks after graduation. And um, these people started calling me. And it was something about setting up payments or online login. I don't know because I never answered. And when I say I didn't answer, I'm not talking about for four weeks. I'm not talking about for six weeks, for the next 12 months. And you know what's so annoying about these people? They never stopped calling. And I never picked up. And it, um, my dad said right here, it was about 12 months after graduation when my dad sat me down and he said, you see that degree you got rolled up under your bed? You know that costs money, Right. Now you've got to pay for it, and they keep calling my house. Pick up that phone. And for the next four years of my life, you know what my credit score said about me? That there was a season in my life where I was not paying attention. It said there was a season in Stephen's life where he was not mature. There was a season in my life where I was not managing my responsibilities. It, how much money you have doesn't tell me much about you. If you have a lot, I haven't learned a lot. If you don't have a lot, I have, how you manage the money you have tells me a lot about you. The question is, what does your money management say about you? I, I think how we manage our money is, is more truthful than what comes out of our mouth. Because some of us would say my kids are the most important things in my life. But the fact that my car payment is this big and my investment in their college fund is. Come on now. God is the most important thing to me. Come on now. But when I get paid, BGE gets paid. Bank of America home mortgage gets paid. Student loan gets paid. And at the end, what do I have left for? Our, our, our money, it exposes. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
how we manage our money exposes who we are as people. And if we learn how to grow our money, Columbia, but we don't know how to grow our lives, all we're going to do is amplify something that we don't actually want to be amplified. Here's the wild thing. Most people's outlook on money was defined before they even hit the age of 13. You may not realize this, the three greatest factors in your life was your parents' relationship, the financial situation you grew up in, and the faith foundation you grew up in. All of your wins and all of your drama can be cited back to one of those three areas. And for some people, they grew up in a place where there was a financial lack. And out of coming out of that financial lack, they now live a life of, I've got to make money. Because I will never be in that situation again. There's a striving and there's a pressure and there's a stress. Some people grew up in a situation where all they heard was bickering and fighting over money. And because of that, their outlook on money is, I want nothing to do with it because it destroys relationships. It's interesting how you have two people who grew up in the same house, same financial situation, and have a completely different outlook on it. You have one person who grew up in a house that didn't have a lot, and they'll say, well, I'm going to save every penny I have. I'm not going to spend. People who buy nice houses and nice cars and nice clothes, they're dumb. That's wasting your money. You need to save it so you'll have it. And then the other sibling who grew up in the exact same house, money don't even hit their hand before they're spending it, and they've taken the mindset of, I don't know how long I'm going to have it, so I'm going to make sure I enjoy it while I've got it. And, And now we're getting into a little bit of psychology. When, when I grew up with parents who did not have enough or they had, but it caused them to bicker or whatever it may be, and I'm the first generation out of that, I now kind of take the mindset of let me overcorrect so I don't end up like that. But what we don't understand is some of us are two, three, four generations away from poverty or two, three, four generations away from mismanagement, or two, three generations away from mammon instead of God being the Lord. And my mother or my father, they managed money controlling, but it worked. Or they spent everything they had, but they enjoyed life. And we inherited this worldview of managing, not realizing that it's not from God's word, it's from the trauma and the brokenness of our past. All it's doing is amplifying what's on the inside. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And here's what I'm trying to do over these next four weeks. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Change the way that you think that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here, here's a question. Does your finances prove God? If you had to share your faith with somebody, but you only got to share your checkbook. Do, we don't have checkbooks anymore, do we? No, I'm sorry. Okay. Your, uh, your Apple Pay log. I don't know. If people were to look at God only by looking at your money, would they see him? Would they see his faith, his peace, his purpose? Or they see fear and stress and anxiety and, and being overwhelmed. Ah, Izzy, where you at? Izzy, come. Oh, you're there already. Okay, so here, here, here's what's going to happen. Um, some of us, we, we're going we're gonna to take some guitar lessons. 
because we we need we, we we got the amplifier and we've got our lives but we we just don't know how to do budgets and retirement and, and and so so we're gonna spend four weeks we're gonna preach about finances and we have connect groups that are launching first week of february and i encourage you if finances is a great area of stress jump in a financial connect group and learn biblical wisdom we need okay is it teach me a new chord teach me teach me don't let me embarrass myself please it's so you can take your three fingers on the okay middle finger uh-huh put it right there. i'm not allowed to use my middle finger i'm a pastor <laughs> Okay, that. Uh huh. Nope, this one. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Down. 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 I'm not a good student. Okay. <laughs> and then you can take your pinky uh-huh. and go on that one right there. It's a tight. It's oh, a tight. I can't. Okay. what are you doing? This hurts. <laughs> this is a chord. Play. Okay. Yo, I could play piano. I'm not as good as Sean, but I'm all right. I've played for years. It's uncomfortable having a musician tell me how to do what I know how to do. But it's on something I've never done it before. And I'm not going to lie to y'all, this really hurts. I don't, I don't know how you have carpal tunnel, man. You, you need a raise. I don't know who your boss is, but tell him, this is, this is. That was a joke. <laughs> and some of us prefer to be in a stressful situation than to allow somebody who knows. It doesn't mean we are incompetent. It just means on this instrument, no one's taught me this before. And then here's what they'll say. Hey, you need to make a budget and you need to live by it. Ah, it hurts. I'm not going to do it. And then they'll say, hey, you you need to pay off your debt and then invest for the future. No, do you see where the market is? I want to invest now. And we want to be an expert at something that we have no wisdom in. Play play something, Izzy. Show them how how good you are. Just show off. Just show off. off. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, 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 no. Oh, chill out. He wasn't that good. He wasn't that good. That's what you did, right? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Next week's message is going to be on humility. We're preaching on, we're preaching on. Last thing, and I'm having, y'all having fun? So we, we, we've got to learn to build lives that are worth amplifying. Uh, uh, God's word will teach you how to make money. You, you, you do it God's way. You will have more than you. Will you be filthy rich? No, God's word didn't promise that. It promised that you'll have more than you need, though. But when I have more than I need, is, is, it, is it worth amplifying? Here's, here's a wild thing. Some of you, 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 you have not a financial problem, a financial concern. You, money, money's good. But, but play, play a song that makes me feel like money's good. Okay, stop. Hold on. He's playing a song. Play, play, play something. 
we got talent all over the place. Just get your one. Play what you were playing again. Keep playing. How's that sound? Doesn't sound good, does it? But he's playing a great song. Is he not playing a great song? And he's amplifying that song through. He's just not playing the song that God's playing. Okay, y'all can stop because y'all sound a mess. Some of us have built great wealth. We have not a financial concern in the world, and we don't understand why we still are lacking peace. Why do I still feel empty on the inside? Because money is an amplifier, but it's designed to amplify the particular song that God called you to play here on earth. It's called destiny. It's called purpose. It's called the calling on your life. And you figure out how to play a song, but not necessarily the song that God has for you. You know what's so annoying? When everybody around you looks at you and say, oh, you made it. I wish I was where you are. And you look at somebody that has so much less than you, but yet has peace. And you say, I wish I was where you were. All right, I preach myself out. Go ahead, play. Write this down. We're done. Wealth multiplies your impact. If I have more time to preach... I'd have hooked Izzy up to this real small amp here, and he'd have played a beautiful song, and you wouldn't have been able to hear it because the amp was too small. And then this, this, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm making some of y'all uncomfortable, and y'all gonna send me emails. All my emails can go to Pastor Ron at the union. <laughs> so some some people are just really uncomfortable with wealth. Because you've seen bad lives play through big accounts. And you blame the prodigal's lifestyle on his means instead of on his heart. You don't realize that when a bad heart plays through great means, it creates big problems in the world. But when a great heart plays through great means, it has great impact in our lives. I was doing some research this week. I think you've heard of Mother Teresa. One of the greatest missionaries of all times impacted more lives than you could ever fathom. Took a vow of poverty. I'm not here for, for clothes and cars and houses. I'm here to help people. And, and, and people looked at you, see, as you know, you can have a great impact without money. No, money doesn't matter. I'm just here to help people's lives. You know, it's estimated that when she passed away that she was managing over 50 million Dollars that was donated to her charity that was used to help those orphans and those children in the streets of Calcutta because she had a life that was worth amplifying. Watch this. All the resources that were needed came in to do, and it didn't corrupt her, didn't mess with her heart, didn't mess with her kingdom impact, didn't make her evil, didn't make her horrible. Matter of fact, can I say something real bold? If she didn't have the means, you would not know who she was because she wouldn't be able to have the impact that she had. I've got too many Christians playing small 
Say, no, 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 no. I don't want much. I don't need. Here's what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Can, <laughs> Can I just be an ignorant pastor for a second? There's too many basketball housewives with big amplifiers that are declaring to the world marriages that are not God's biblical standards. There's too many people with ungodly kids and big amplifiers that are declared. No, no. God needs people with healthy marriages and godly kids and that are surrendered to God and have a kingdom vision and have a purpose and a calling that can be amplified to the world. This is the standard of God and it brings peace and it brings purpose and it brings eternity. So my question to you is, will we be people that stewards what God gives us? So that he can trust us to be the city on a hill. The light that shows people that, hey, God is the way. And his direction is the only way to find purpose and to find peace. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, we're grateful that you care about every single area of our lives. God, I know that when we unpack a topic, it's sensitive as money. Every but he starts feeling every tip away. Some don't have enough. Some are ashamed. Some are overwhelmed. But God, I pray right now that you would bring a peace that only comes through you. And God, that you would give us the wisdom that we need to start building more of who you are, God, in this area of our lives. Or where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. As I said before, money amplifies who you are. It doesn't make you who you are. And who you are matters more than anything else. The reality is that if Christ is not the foundation of your life, who you are will always be less than God designed it to be. I'll always be broken, insecure, self-motivated. So before we take a step further, wherever you find yourself, if you say, Pastor, I can't say that Christ is the motivation. I can't say that Christ is the center of my life. Maybe, maybe you're starting a new year and you're saying, this year I'm going after God like never before. Well, this is your moment to get your life in proper priority. If you say, Pastor, Christ is not the center of my life, but I want him to be. You can make that decision right now, right where you find yourself. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me valuable enough that you gave up your life to purchase my freedom. Thank you for dying on the cross so that my sin and my mistakes can be erased. Right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person?